Hey, everybody. I'm John Small. And I'm Dan Bova. And from the Entrepreneur Media Podcast Network, this is Dirty Money. Investigators have called it one of the biggest corruption cases ever. You're one of the greatest con men of all time. You're the daddy of them all. But what does it take to be a good con man? I'm not guilty. You're the one who's guilty. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dirty Money Podcast. Thank you, John, for having me back on our show. I appreciate it. Yeah, so, John, you know, we uh, we have a little fun with our show every once in a while. I mean, you know, these are serious crimes, but we uh, try to keep it... Maybe we joke around a little bit just because some of the stuff is just so absurd. But, you know, maybe we lose sight sometimes. Uh, a lot of these crimes are, you know, white-collar crimes, and, you know, they're not violent crimes, so we... Maybe we forget sometimes that there are very real victims on the other side. And I'm bringing this up just because we got we got an email from a listener who took a little bit of issue with our Dennis Kozlowski um, episode. And, you know, it was a quite a long email. I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but he recounts just how much damage uh, Kozlowski did to his company, which which had ties to Tyco, and really devastated it. And uh, so this listener took a little bit of issue because he thought uh, our expert um, was a little too um, forgiving uh, of Kozlowski's transgressions, and maybe we were a little too uh, glib about them. So uh, I think just off the yeah, so I think, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, maybe you're like, screw you, victims. Uh, John, that's your usual take on things, right? Yeah, I'm, the, I'm the, the bad cop on this show. I just, I don't like anybody. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm with him. You know, after we put that out, I wondered if we were a little bit soft on Kozlowski. I know that he's sort of had a, a comeback tour since he's gotten out of jail. Uh, yeah. And kind of refurbishing his image a bit. But if you were alive during that time and you were a victim of his crimes, there is a reason that man went to jail. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like he wasn't just some nice guy that got a bad rap. Right. He 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 did a lot of bad things with other people's money. And, you know, as evidenced by this listener, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars, you know, lives destroyed, jobs wiped out. So... Uh, I, I don't think we're saying sorry, but we're sort of like saying we hear you and, you know, we might we might joke around a bit and, uh, you know, we're usually making fun of the the, the criminals. Ourselves. Here. We usually make fun of each other. And, and ourselves. Yeah, because John is an exceptionally dumb person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the only stupider person is me. So, uh so for if you're listening and uh, message was received and, and we totally hear you. We totally hear you and we are sorry that you had to suffer those uh, consequences of that crime. And, you know, hopefully the point of this show is to really, it is called Dirty Money. And if you make the honor roll of Dirty Money, it's not because we think you're a great person. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we just think you have an interesting story right, that needs right. to be shared. So, uh, Mr. Kozlowski, if you're listening, and I know you're a usual listener, 
Yeah. Uh, don't don't use this as a as a teaching tool. This is not a, yeah. This is not a TEDx to to figure out your next scheme. Yeah, this does not absolve you of your sins. So, <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of dirty money, Dan, I think you stumbled across a story. Yes. That is really interesting. One that I. I know very little about, so I'm excited to hear about it today. Yeah, so I, I want to start off by asking you a question, John. Yes. Do you have, like, the movie that when that movie is, when you're flipping around TV, you stop on it and you have to watch it? Like, no matter where it is, it might have just started, there might only be five minutes of it left, but you're in. You are watching this movie. Yes, that movie for me is called A Night in Heaven. It is an 80s movie, um, a romance. No, that is not that's actually the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. In Heaven. I just was thinking off the top of my head. Yes, I mean, there are certain movies like Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. The Deer Hunter. Yeah, you go. Goodfellas, perhaps? Yes, is that what we're leading to? That is I one I stop on. fishing for. So Goodfellas is 100% that movie for me. I would also throw in Caddyshack and Jaws. But Goodfellas... To me, is like the greatest movie ever made. I've seen it a million times, and yeah. um, you know a lot of uh, uh, amazing moments in that movie. But as you know, it's based on a true story, and there's a pretty big uh, crime among all of the crimes committed in that movie: the Lufthansa airline heist. And like everything else in the movie, it really did happen. And I start to dig into it, and man. They uh they did some work, you know. They they did something pretty big there uh in uh in Queens, New York back in 1978. Now, who who is they? The the wise guys? The wise guys. All right. So, uh let me give you the big picture of this in case you haven't seen uh this movie 5 million times like I have and have it committed to memory. So, on December 11th, 1978, picture it, John. It's three o'clock in the morning at JFK International Airport. Six masked men with guns uh, burst into the Lufthansa Airlines cargo terminal and walk out with $5 million in untraceable bills. Now that's worth about $22.4 million in today's standards and $800,000 in jewels. So that's worth another... 3.6 million in today's money. At that time, 1978, this was the largest heist in US history. And John, not one shot fired and no one was seriously hurt or killed at least at that moment. That sounds dirty. That sounds like really dirty. <laughs> yeah. What a score, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think these wise guys were used to that kind of one day score like that. Yeah. That sounds pretty that's impressive. A, that's a large. And, and you know, you brought up Goodfellas, also one of my favorite movies of all time. And there is talk of that, of that incident. And nobody knows for sure just how much was taken in the daring pre-dawn raid at the Latanza cargo terminal at Kennedy Airport. The FBI says $2 million. Port Authority police say $4 million. The city cops say five. I think in 1978, that was a 
that was a very big deal, that crime. Yes, it was uh, a large slice of lasagna. And I can say that that's not racist because <laughs> my name ends in a vowel and uh, both my grandfathers were from Sicily. So I can say that. Um, <laughs> so uh, Goodfellas, for people who don't know, was actually was based on a book by Nicholas Pileggi, who also co-wrote the screenplay. The book was called Wise Guys. And it told the story of this mid-level mobster, Henry Hill, and it just had incredible amounts of detail. And uh, I thought this was funny before we get into it, but but Pileggi made his name uh, writing for the Associated Press about the mob, and he had he had all these sources who would just tell him things, and, and they would see stories written in the Associated Press, but the Associated Press didn't have bylines. So they didn't realize this guy that they were telling all these stories to was writing them. And they'd just be like, you know, how did, how did the news find out about that? And he's like, I don't know. They must have thought that, you know, they're bugging the bugging the phone lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and Pelagi, so how did, how did he get the stories? I mean, was he like meeting these guys in bars and stuff and just kind of like listening like, yeah I I, you know he him. said uh he developed these relationships with them over the years and uh he just he had he had a knack for for talking to him just as a a regular guy and then he he, he met henry hill and he he tells us incredible story of henry hill um yeah so my point is it's a great book if you love goodfellas i would read it because it is it's the the movie but there's there's certain things that are are different, including some of the details about this heist. Amazing. And Henry Hill died, but man, before he died, he was quite a legend. I mean, he was, uh, this movie came out and then all of a sudden he came out of the woodwork. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to everybody. He and came involved. out of the woodwork and came out of witness protection. He was like on the Howard Stern show. <laughs> it's like pretty, pretty crazy. I don't know how he survived. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I believe he died of natural causes, which is, is, is Interesting. pretty shocking. So did everything we see in the Goodfellas movie really happen or were there was there some poetic license taken? So out? yes and no. Most of it is pretty accurate. There are a few details that were changed. One big one uh, is some of the characters' names. So people might wonder, in real life, uh, Robert De Niro's character, Jimmy Conway, was actually named Jimmy Burke. And hmm. in explanation for this, you know, Scorsese and some of the actors said, you know, as you said, changing the name would give them a little bit more license to be a little bit more actory about it and not feel like confined mm -hmm. to this exact person. But there's another book that's about the making of Goodfellas. It's called Made Men by uh, Glenn Kenny. If you're a fan of the movie, you got to read this book. But in part of it, he details that uh, Catherine Burke, who is Jimmy Burke's daughter, tried to strong arm uh, the production into paying her $100,000 in order to get the rights oh, to wow. use the family name. So rather than do that, they were just like, forget it. We'll just make them Conway. And, and that's that. So everyone's yeah. always trying to get a buck. Uh, but explain to us, for those of us who might actually for like the one person listening to this podcast that might never have seen Goodfellas. Yeah. Explain this background of this of this heist that they talk about in the movie. Yeah, sure. So Lufthansa uh, airline heist, such an easy word to say. So <laughs> I know. How do you say Lufthansa? Lufthansa. Lufthansa. 
Okay. So the idea from- If, the- we're, if we don't offend the Italians, we'll just be offending the Germans. So this is an equal <laughs> opportunity offender. Yes. Show. Yes, exactly. So the idea Any from- Polish words that we can- Yeah. So the Lufthansa heist didn't actually originate with with these mob guys. Uh, it actually originated with the Lufthansa cargo supervisor, whose name was Louis Werner. He worked at the airport, and you know he saw a lot of money and valuables coming in and out uh, in a room, helpfully marked high val room. Now Louis had a gambling problem. And twenty thousand dollar gambling problem, which in that in those days is like you know crazy. Hundred thousand um, dollars, yeah. So he sees this money coming in. He knows when it's going to come in. Now a little bit about the money. So what what would happen back then is that these banks in Europe would convert Deutschmarks into unmarked U.S. dollars, bundle them up, and ship it over to America. And it would uh, go into the high valve room until Brinks trucks and things like that would be alerted to bring it to the banks. So he knew the whole flow of how this was all going. And he saw an opening to um, cure his uh, gambling debt, and then he'd never have another problem for the rest of his life. Um, so that always goes perfectly well. Like, you know, yeah, when, yeah, whenever yeah. you just look to the mob and, yeah. and, and thievery <laughs> to cure your debt, nothing what can possibly go wrong nothing can go wrong john so he actually shopped this idea around a little bit which they don't show in the movie but eventually uh he brings it to different people and different people say uh you know you're crazy forget it he he goes to some of his coworkers to get them in on the gig and they're just like look i'll steal uh a a watch out of a suitcase, but I'm not getting involved with this. So right. he eventually goes to his bookmaker, the the wig shop owner Martin Krugman. Now he's you know famous in the movie. We see him doing his commercials. He jumps in the pool and he claims that his wigs will stay on his, his head. So <laughs> it's he, a great character. He's a great character and a real guy. So he goes to him with this uh, caper, and Krugman likes it. He thinks that we could do something with this. So he brings this to to Henry Hill. Henry Hill brings it to uh, Jimmy Burke, Jimmy Conway in the movie. Conway. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. In the movie, he repeatedly brings it. Yeah, yeah. So then- <laughs> to, to the point uh, where he becomes annoying. Right. So, uh, which will, things won't end well for him. So Burke, again, this is De Niro's character, brings it to Paul Vario, who uh, is Paulie in the movie. Um Paulie likes it. Paulie is a feared capo in the Lucchese crime family. He needs cash because he just lost a big cocaine shipment to authorities. So everyone's on board. This is a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah, we know sort of how this is going to end up, but I, I'm curious how they pulled this off. A bunch of guys from the neighborhood. What, what did they do? So... Having Lewis as their inside man was absolutely vital to this working because, you know, this wasn't a Mission Impossible thing where you have to, like, drop in from a vault through the ceiling and and evade (laughs) laser beams and things like that. But, you know, there was real security then. Um, So, yeah. And what there was also, which which thieves wouldn't know unless they had an 
Inside Man, there was a very tight protocol about how the doors could be opened and the keys had to be turned at a certain time to uh, to turn off the alarm. Because if an alarm went off, the Port Authority police would be alerted immediately and the airport would be sealed in 90 seconds. So mm. they had to know what they were doing and, uh, and Lewis told them what to do. So he knows that a payday is coming in on Friday. A plane is coming in. Uh, it's going to bring in all this money and jewels. And he knows it's going to sit in storage until Monday uh, before it's picked up by the, the Brinks trucks to bring it to the bank. So he knows we've got this weekend uh, where a lot of money is just sitting there. So at 3 a.m. on that Monday, six guys in ski masks pull up to the uh, cargo warehouse. They're in a uh, Ford Econoline van, very comfortable. Uh, <laughs> they cut open the, the gate padlock with bolt cutters and uh, six of them go in. Now, the timing of this was um, was planned out too because they planned it when they knew that the uh, employees were gonna be on a break. So they had already, they were already gathered together in the break room. So uh, it was much easier for, for the thieves to kind of hold them at gunpoint. Um, and they, knowing the that there is a strict protocol, they, they forced the night manager to disable the alarm and uh, you know, do all the things they need to do to, to stop anyone from getting alerted. Uh, and then they just go to work. They haul out 40 15-pound cartons of cash and jewels. Whoa. They stack it in the van. So they got in, they got in their steps. They got in, uh, I mean, there's a lot of core work there, a lot of arms work. So it was a, <laughs> yeah, it was they a didn't, good workout. Yeah, they didn't have eye watches back then, but they, that would have been, yeah. they would have definitely hit their exercise <laughs> ring would have closed. So uh, so they load up the van. Um, a bunch of them get in the van. Uh, some of them get in a Buick. And they all zoom away at 4.21 a.m. So this whole thing took just over an hour. Um, and what they told the employees was they tied them up and they said, keep an eye on that clock. Don't call for help until 4.30 uh and uh so the guys are just sitting there they did it waiting the clock hits 4 30 one of the guys is able to wriggle out of his uh bonds and uh they make the call and by that time the, the money's long gone you know what i always in movies they always have that thing like don't do not if you, you know, if you do it a minute earlier, you will die. I wonder if I was in that situation, right. whether I would believe that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's a. I guess it's a bet. It's a safer bet to just. Yeah, let's go just with wait. It. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> if you're just the odds, you know, what's the matter? Five minutes, ten minutes. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> you know, I said no one was badly hurt, but some people were hurt. There was some like pistol whipping that happened, so it wasn't it wasn't totally bloodless. Um, so the thieves uh, they meet up with with Burke. They they transfer the money to um, to other cars at this warehouse that was owned by this guy named John Gotti. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him. Gotti. He was in the Karate Kid, right? He was yeah. in the he was right, the right, right. And so, you know, everyone goes their separate ways. 
So the plan is they're gonna sit on this money. Everyone be cool. Don't don't show your hand. Don't show that you've uh, you know suddenly fell into a lot of money. Uh, but you know, uh, mob guys don't follow orders very well. <laughs> <laughs> they're good at crime. They're not good at the order following. They're good at beating people up. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So amazingly, throughout all this, nobody nobody gets killed. Yes and no. Uh, mm. Things do start to fall apart and get extremely bloody after this sort of somewhat bloodless crime. And, you know, talking about that book, Made Men, uh, Scorsese told uh, the author, quote, all that stuff in the mafia about honor, it's a lot of nonsense. There's no such thing. And mm. uh, we're going to learn just how accurate that was. Now, if you've seen the movie... You know that famously there is a there's a montage of bodies piling up. And uh, that that is a hundred percent accurate. Some of the details are a little different. So one of uh, one of one of the murders that we see uh, <clears throat> one of the murders that we see in the movie, so Parnell Stacks Edwards is played by uh, Sam Jackson in the movie. Very small role, but his job was to take this black van that they used for the heist, take it to uh, a certain Gotti-controlled junkyard and have it impounded, just like disappear it. Well, he forgot to do it. Uh, he mm -hmm. left it parked at a fire hydrant and actually got a <laughs> ticket. Um, so this is when, uh, Jimmy Burke starts to, uh, lose his cool. So poor Stax, uh, while he's, uh, eating dinner, uh, gets a visit from two of the guys, Tommy DeSimone and Angelo Seppi, who, uh, while Edwards is eating, uh, put a bullet in the back of his head. They said his body was found like with a piece of chicken still in his mouth. So. Whoa. Hell of a last meal. That's foul. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, oof. oof. Oh, sorry. Dad joke. Dad joke. <laughs> All right. Move on. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the bodies start piling up after that. Uh, Martin Krugman, who's the wig shop owner, he's complaining that he wants his money. He wants his money. Uh, Burke doesn't want to give him his money. He meets his end and is actually dismembered. Wig and all. Wig and all. Uh, in fact, by the end of Burke's killing spree, nine people who are involved are uh, executed uh, in various ways. Just, is this all because of greed, ultimately, you think? It's, it's all because of greed. It's because of paranoia. Who's talking to the FBI? You know, the, the FBI was sort of closing in on them anyway. Mm -hmm. And so there was just a lot of paranoia. And actually, um, our pal Henry Hill, uh, in a documentary that the History Channel made about his life, uh, about this, he said, uh, rather than give everyone four hundred or $500,000 a piece, it was easier to put a bullet in their head. Amazing. And, you know, I don't have to go into all of the gory details, but. Oh, I love the gory details. All right. Well, here's one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one guy, Paolo Lacastri, was found naked and bullet riddled, burned on a uh, trash heap in Brooklyn. Jeez. 
this other guy who was accused of uh, skimming a heist cash uh, was found by kids hogtied uh, and frozen in the back of a refrigerated meat truck. Can they just kill people? Did they have to like? Yeah, yeah no, very creative. Maybe I shouldn't have asked to hear um, about this, was but a- anyway. Keep going. Yeah, there was a woman who was uh, kind of an occasional mistress of a lot of these different guys. She was accused of skimming, and she uh, her headless torso uh, was found on the shore in New Jersey. Yeah, and a lot of this has to be scare tactics too, right? It's like this is what happens when you mess with the mob. You know, everybody right, it just scares right. the hell out of you. Yeah, like it scares the hell out of me. Like I don't want to mess with the mob. Yeah, I don't either. And I'm not, I, I want to be clear about something. I'm not mocking the mob. I have nothing yeah, but in fact, we love the mob. For these, uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want to be perfectly clear. This this podcast is actually sponsored by the mob. Yeah. <laughs> but but what's wild about this, you know, just get that. So that's the bloody aftermath of it. But uh, you notice I didn't mention anything. And that was the cops. Yeah. Did anybody get arrested for any of this? Like, or did all these horrible crimes go completely unaccountable for any of it? So what's wild is the execution of this, this particular heist was pretty flawless despite, you know, people leaving vans and most people who were involved getting murdered. And actually only one person, uh, at least for many years, spoiler alert, someone else got arrested later mm-hmm. on, but only one person got actually arrested for this specific crime, and that was uh, our friend Louis uh, Werner, the, the inside The man. one guy who's not actually in the mob or affiliated with the mob in any way. He's just, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just a guy with debt. Uh, it's always that way. <laughs> So what 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 happened with him was he you know starts spending money that he didn't formally have mm-hmm. and he had what in the mob they would call a gumad which is a uh you know a side piece yep. slash a, a girlfriend yeah. and his estranged wife wasn't thrilled about that and they got into many heated um arguments and during one he told his estranged wife about the whole caper and then he threatened to kill her if she told anyone. So she didn't take that kindly and actually went to the FBI. But because she was his wife, her testimony couldn't be used against him. So they went to the girlfriend who ended up testifying against him and he was eventually arrested. You know, to his credit, I guess, you know, he didn't he didn't rat didn't on rat. anyone. Not at a least, rat. Not a rat, at least immediately. Um, he was sentenced to 15 years in prison and then he started talking. <laughs> He's like, I am um, not a rat. 15 <laughs> years in prison. All right. What do you need to know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, so I think it, I, I think by that point though, when he starts talking, you know, a lot of people have been killed already. The stories are all over the place. No one knows who it, it didn't actually amount to much, but how many years later was it? Some 30 years later, there was another guy, uh, Vinny Asaro, in 2014 was arrested. Uh, he was 80 years old at the time for his involvement, but then he was actually um, acquitted. Oh, wow. So they didn't get him. So they didn't get him. So so really, uh, a Warner was the only guy who actually like went to jail for it. That is amazing. And Warner probably could have gotten away with it if he hadn't done the, the stupid thing that these guys always do, which is that they spend all the money and they make it super obvious 
and you know he yeah should- yeah and uh, i yeah I, I think if you're a guy who's getting into twenty thousand dollars in like gambling debt you probably have some issues with self-control <laughs> yeah and um <laughs> there's a lot of lessons to be learned by this story right nobody involved in this story has any redeeming traits so was any of the money ever recovered like there's this a lot of money that was still yeah yeah not a penny it 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 all disappeared it's all gone forever i mean what's crazy about all the all the death and stuff is that you know it was a lot of money is the biggest heist in history but uh at the time but you know it was all like insured so um I, I guess for a, you could have thought this was a somewhat of a victimless crime until uh, until bodies start piling up. I wonder if this crime could ever happen today, like with all the surveillance that we have. And I wonder if this was a yeah. crime of its time, you know, I, I think that's I think that's a great point. I think you would have to have a lot of cooperation in order to to make this happen. But, you know, one of the things you know, as I said, Werner, uh, you know, he had pitched this idea to other people. He was like an entrepreneur. He makes pitches. He, you know, he comes with his PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like trying to, you know, raise money. And uh, I think a criminal uh, entrepreneur elevator pitch, you know, you come in, there's uh, four hardened criminals there and you pitch your crime and they uh, I'm going to have to pass at this right. time. Um, but <laughs> But somebody took a gamble with this guy and it paid off. Yeah. Hey, John, you're you're on Thank fire. You. Um, Thank you. Now, dad joke number two. <laughs> Can we afford? I don't know. Actually? I don't know um, if I have to pay a royalty on that. Actually, <laughs> I I might have to edit that out. But the um, the you know what you were talking about with like, do you actually wait until four thirty a.m.? You know, I think when there's guns in your face and you kind of know who these people are and what they're capable of, you know, that buys a lot of silence. Uh, Forget about being paid off. It's just like, I'd very much not, not like to be hogtied. And I'm sure there was a lot of people who knew what went down, who, you know, kept their mouth shut. It sort of answers my question before the nature of the crimes against people who were rats or people who didn't, who don't cooperate are so heinous that it, it, it basically sows a seed of terror in anybody that confronts the mob and probably better just yeah. to not say anything than to, uh, you know, put yourself in that kind of jeopardy. Yeah, I get it, man. Yeah. This is why if you're ever in debt, Citibank and various institutions have programs to help you pay off your debt slowly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I would not advise going to the mob. Yeah. They don't, they don't hang you up upside down in a freezer. Uh, literally, but, uh, you know, figuratively. figuratively, right. Sometimes when I look at my, uh, <laughs> my bills, I wonder if I'm, if I'm being <laughs> held upside down in a freezer, basically. That is an incredible story. What, a, what a, a slice of, um, of, of crime from the past. What do we make of, of, of those kinds of crimes? I always try to imagine the people involved in this and the mentality that you have to have to pull off a crime like this and then just basically kill everybody that was involved. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, I think we could look to another movie, uh, Lord of the Rings and Hmm. see uh, Gollum wanting his precious. It's just like, they just want this money. 
you know, some of these people that were killed off, I mean, they had decades-long relationships with each other. You know, uh, one of the guys that Burke had killed was like one of his cellmates at one point. So, uh, you know, it's not like it's not like they were killing str- not that that's any better, but it's not like they were killing strangers either. Right. These are guys kind of that they, they knew like and liked and you know, partied with. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like if I were to show up at your house and just you know hogtie you. Yeah. <laughs> you can, I keep thinking of the word hogtie. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds uh, awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, the amazing thing is, even if I wanted to go to the mob to pay my debt, I don't even, where would I start? I don't even know where I would look. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's not like I'm hanging out with guys that are like, oh, I know a guy. Yeah. Well, put it on Facebook, you know, uh, <laughs> hey, looking for an illicit loan, willing to pay exorbitant uh, <laughs> points on it. Yeah. DM me. Would rather, you- yeah, would rather not be hogtied, but hope, you know. W- yeah. <laughs> Open. Yeah. Open to <laughs> conversation about it. Oh, man. All right. Well, great uh, story, Dan. Thank you for sharing. Seems like nobody really enjoyed the money. No. That's that's the other thing that, you know, I, we see like in movies all the time, but see all these people, it's like no one ever looks happy. No. No one ever is like enjoying it. In the beginning of Goodfellas, they're having a good time and then it, it all it all falls to shit. All right. Well, till next week, I will uh, I will cower in the corner. All right, everybody. Until next time, don't get hogtied. All right. <laughs> I'm done. Dirty Money is a production of the Entrepreneur Media Podcast Network. It is produced by Dan Bova and John Small with music by Rich Bova. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening.